Welcome to Employing Differences, a conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals. I'm Paul Tevis. And I'm Karen Gimnick. Each episode, we start with a question and we see where it takes us. This week's question is, do we need a new rule? I have seen so many groups and individuals within groups that when faced with a challenge or a problem, say, well, we need a policy or a rule, or you're like, we need to all talk about what we think should be, and then we should write up a policy about it, and that will solve our problem. And so that's really the case that I think we're addressing here. And I think that probably where we want to start, and I'll toss it to you, Paul, but I think we want to start with what rules do and what they don't do. Uh, so one of the things that rules do is they give us a sense that we are behaving impartially and fairly, right? That if we can point to a rule as an explanation for a behavior or a custom or a thing that we're going to do, then we can say, okay, it's we have a rule about this. Um, and so it's not any individual saying that you can or can't do this. It's the rules that are saying that do this. Um, now, that is not necessarily the most... Uh, uh, kind reading of why we make rules, but it is a thing that rules do for us. They allow us to distance ourselves from the particulars of a situation, and that can sometimes be really useful. Rules are very useful when we start to notice patterns that are recurring, that show up again and again, and so it is handy for us to have pre-decided what we're going to do in situations that we know are going to come up. So that is one thing that rules do, right? They allow us to extract ourselves from the particulars of a situation uh, and generalize. And sometimes that is useful. And sometimes we would like to believe it's useful. And I think it's useful, especially when we aren't in relational spaces. Like, I'm really glad there's a rule that everybody drives on the right-hand side of the road. I don't really want to stop and negotiate that. Feel the same way about airports and the way you navigate airports. Like we all know what we're supposed to do. We know we go get in the security line first. We have that procedure or that rule. Um, and we all know what's expected of us and we can work in these really, really large groups without having to try to have a relationship with everybody, which is clearly ridiculous in those cases. Um, so I think that's where that shared expectation and that's kind of the, a, another frame I'd use. I don't think you use those words, but for what you're saying of, we all collectively have a shared expectation of each other. It's clearly communicated. And if I'm not sure, I can go look in the rule book and I know what to do. And that's very reassuring and helpful. What rules don't do is help us with interpersonal disagreements, conflicts, feelings, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. The the idea that rules help us function in the absence of relationship uh, points to the thing that they don't do very well, which is often help us function in the presence of relationship. They don't necessarily bolster relationship. There, there can be some exceptions around that, but in general, we often turn to an appeal to authority, an appeal to the rules. Um, when we fall out of relationship, when relationship isn't working well, and it doesn't necessarily strengthen the relationship between us when we do that. And because in fact, kind of by definition, we're saying, I'm going to value the truth 
uh, that is embedded in this rule more than I value the relationship we have between us when I appeal to that. Uh, and so that's one of the things that that appealing to rules and making rules does. We often make a rule because we are unwilling to engage in the difficult relational work of resolving it interpersonally. Yeah, and I wanna to point to that, the truth of the rule and be clear that that's my truth of how right. I'm interpreting the rule. It is not a shared truth of the rule. And the reality is that if amongst us, I'm doing a thing that I think is a reasonable and appropriate thing, being told that there's a rule that says I'm not allowed to isn't gonna make me feel better usually about being told not to do it. Um, and particularly if I'm being told not to do it in, for example, a, you don't have any say about this, you are compelled. And it really won't matter how nice that is. I, I can think of a situation, I just moved into a new community that was specifically designed to be strong relationships. and. We'd been there not very long and, and a very friendly, sweet neighbor dropped by to very helpfully tell me that my son riding his bike in the parking lot was absolutely not allowed. And I should know this. And she meant it completely nicely, but you don't get to tell me what my kid can and can't do. Like, <laughs> that's going to get any parent riled. And, and this is a place where, well, we're just relying on the rules, really gets in the way of what the relationship is. And if she had come to me instead and said, you know, wow, I feel less comfortable parking in the parking lot when there are kids on bikes. And, you know, so we've kind of had this agreement and I know you just got here, like that enters it into a relational having a dialogue is an entirely different conversation. The, the key there is that by talking about the rules, we don't have to talk about our own feelings. We don't have to talk about our own needs. We don't have to be vulnerable in that way. Uh, we can instead just say, well, this is what the rule is, and we don't have to make it personal. Um, and so that's actually, I think, the key to when we talk about how we're not dealing with these issues in a relational way. Uh, what we really mean is that we don't have to get real with each other as people, right? I can say, well, you shouldn't do this because there's a rule. I don't have to reveal anything about myself or how I feel about it. And it's usually cover because I'm not going to bring up that it's against the rules unless it has a personal impact on me. Um, and so there's a, a degree to which it's inauthentic. Yeah. And the other piece, in addition to, I don't have to reveal what it means to me. I don't have to be interested in why you're breaking the rule. Right. I don't have to be curious or wonder what it means to you, um, which both sides of that carry vulnerability with them, um, which is, as we have said before, that vulnerability is the price of meaningful connected relationship. It just is part of the deal. If you're, if you're using a rule to avoid the vulnerability, then you're using an, a rule in a way that gets in the way of relationship. So one of the things I want to steer a little bit towards is when do we need a new rule, right? When can rules actually help us steer towards vulnerability and relationship? And that, I think that's kind of a, a litmus test around it. Um, you know, I, I've worked in groups before where one of the sort of guidelines about creating rules and policies was don't scar on the first cut, right? The first time something goes wrong, 
don't make a rule about it. It just happened. We don't know if it's a systemic issue. We don't know like if it's likely to happen again. If it's not, there's no point in creating a rule for it. But there are times where we notice in groups, right, that our natural tendencies uh, as that for those individuals is working against what we actually want relationally. For example, I will sometimes do workshops shops about conflict with groups, which involves all the people in the group sort of understanding what their natural response to conflict is. So it might be that, hey, this is a group where everyone's natural response when things get difficult is to go inward and to, to withdraw, to avoid, to stonewall, right? So in those groups, they will sometimes make an agreement. I hesitate maybe to call it a rule, but maybe it is about how they want to be when things get difficult. That's counter to their normal instincts because they believe that following such a principle to lean into that, you know, to say, actually, we, we want to name when we notice that we're avoiding conflict, when we're moving away from it, because we think that will actually help us to engage better. Those kinds of rules I find are useful for groups because they're breaking their normal patterns that allow them to move more towards the, the goal that they have for themselves in a relational space. Hmm. I'd agree. And I think another way you can distinguish is if your inclination is to enforce a rule, hmm. that suggests that you're not using it relationally. There, there's a reason that force is part of the word enforcement. And so I think that if you are um, thinking, well, we need this rule so that I can make somebody else do something that they otherwise wouldn't do, or I'm going to use the rule to make somebody do something they otherwise wouldn't do, that's going to cost the relationship. There's going to be a relational price to pay for enforcement always. Now, that may be worthwhile. Um, you know, if, again, if we're in the space of no relationship, speeding tickets, we think it's probably worth it um, because there's not a relationship to damage, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to connect with the police officer. <laughs> um, but, but if you're wanting to have a relationship, think carefully about the cost to the relationship of enforcement. And most of the time I'm gonna say, if the reason you want a rule is so that you can enforce it, you probably don't. I think what we're really saying through all of this is be aware of the impact and the intersection uh, between rules and relationship that recognize there are times when there is no relationship. We're in a purely transactional space. Rules are actually really great for creating expectations around that. Um, that when we start to move into that more relational space, particularly when we start to think about enforcement, we need to notice the cost that rules can have on relationship. Um, focusing on those guidelines, maybe rules uh, that will actually help us to create relationship to connect better uh, instead of those that allow us to avoid being vulnerable uh, and talking about the sort of personal aspects of it. I think that's going to do it for us today. Until next time, I'm Karen Gimnig. And I'm Paul Tevis. And this has been Employing Differences.